cul-de-sac contemplating murder. Swerving with my circus, looking for a purpose. Still the clean record, hope got another All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Culper's Canteen Cup. Hey, thanks to uh, Carlton Zeus out there for the uh, for the music, for the intro. I don't know what is happening right now on this podcast. Um, I absolutely have zero clue what, what number we're on. I think we're 56 or 57 now. No. I don't know. I've lost count. No, this um, is 53. 53, whatever. Uh, so as you can see, uh, we're already a little uh, we're already a little fired up. We're a little, already a little feisty uh, right now. Uh, we just got done chatting real quick about uh, about Luke's choice of automobiles, and for some reason, <laughs> why why everybody all of a sudden in America hates Roger. Uh, so we're gonna dig into uh, we're gonna dig into Subaru Outbacks and uh, and Asian hating this one. I don't know if those are uh, or, or, or you know if there's a correlation with that, but we're, we're gonna find out. Anything else? Uh, I don't think there's anything else we need to cover. Carlton Zeus, yeah. Hey man, thanks for your music. Uh, we need to, we need to get him on the show. Uh, yeah, we should. We, need, we should invite we need to him. Stop, yeah, we need to stop. You know what? We can invite show. him on the show and actually have him do the intro live while recorded. But you know what I mean. <laughs> that would be that would be awesome. That would be badass, dude. That would be pretty. It'd be like WWE when they have like you know WrestleMania or whatever, and they actually had the band out there performing like the superstars, yeah. uh, you know, entrance song, and we have fireworks and shit going off. And that dude, it'd be badass. Luke, make that happen. Yeah. All right, I'm on so, it. All right, so uh, so Roger, what is up, man? Why I okay? So like Luke said, I didn't know I was supposed to hate Asian people until like two weeks ago, and then everybody's like, why do you know? Why do all these white people hate Asian people? I I don't know. I didn't know I was supposed to hate Asian people, uh, so that's news to me. But like, what did what did the Asian community do to all of a sudden just draw this ire and angst? Well, I would say this that. Uh Luke was way ahead of the curve on this. He was way ahead of the trend because he's hated Asians for quite a while now. Um, and he projects his hate towards me. And I, you know what? It's, it's actually kind of funny because it's, the, it's exactly what's been going on for the last several years. I didn't know there was Asian. I, like, I didn't know people hated. Well, okay, let me rephrase that. I know people hate me, uh, but I didn't know they hated me because like, they're hating on Asians until I read about it last week. I'm like, there's Asian hate going on? I'm like, okay. You know, I mean. Whatever. So then I started digging into it a little bit, and I started reading about it. And, and, of course, you know, they're trying to blame it on the whole China virus, Wuhan virus, which, of course, now the former CDC directors come out and said, yeah, this thing looks like it might have been made in a lab in Wuhan. So, you know, it is the China virus or the Wuhan virus or whatever. But I had to dig into a little bit because this is the statistic they throw out for the Asian hate. So, you know, because of the whole Wuhan virus, China virus, whatever, uh, people are hating on Asian folks. and the number initially sounds staggering. So hate crimes uh, from 2019 to 2020, Asian hate crimes or targeting Asians up 149%, right? That sounds crazy. I mean, I, just looking at the percentage, you're like, wow, 149%. Okay, maybe there is actually a problem out there in some Asian hate other than, than just Luke's. I don't know if he's out there recruiting or, or what the deal is. So, you know, you dig a little bit farther because, of course, the, the articles, and there's several articles on it. Uh, but of course, the articles, uh, as you start to read down, because all you see is the 149% about, you know, five or 10 times. And then when you get to the actual number, 2019, there were 49 reported cases of uh, Asian hate or hate crimes targeting Asians. And that increased to 122. 
that's their 149%. When you first hear this thing, I'm thinking like thousands, right? Like, like we're targeting 10,000 people, 15,000. There were literally more people shot in Chicago on a long weekend than target Asian Americans, uh, you know, because of the, the Wuhan virus, the China virus or whatever. So, you know, it, again, it's, it goes back to the, the media. It's everybody's like, Hey man, you, you, you gotta be woke. You're just not woke enough. And you know, Kind of, it's like what you say to your people, I hate me because I'm an asshole. Sometimes other people are just assholes and just hate people. doesn't mean like there's an entire country targeting Asians. You know, that's just the way it is. But I, I don't think that you can, uh, and maybe I'm going to be wrong. I mean, who knows? I don't think 49 to 122 is anything that I would be like, oh, wow, you know, we need to have this broad concerted effort to, uh, you know, hashtag protect me or whatever. But I don't know. That's, a, that's at least from my viewpoint. What about you, Luke? Well, I, I mean... Yeah, I, the Asian hate, I don't remember exactly. It was like about a week ago, um, probably longer. Uh, but it seemed like there was a campaign saying that, uh, yeah, Asia, you know, anti-Asian sentiment is skyrocketing. And I, I sent an article to Josh uh, early in the morning, Josh's time, long, like six hours before Roger gets up. And Josh was like, I'm on it. And I was like, what? what's he even talking about? I'm on it. And he went to the FBI uh, database and looked up uh, all the numbers. And uh, maybe he can he can go into to what those numbers showed uh, in addition to what Roger just said. But, you know, this, this campaign seemed to be coordinated in the news to me. And I was like, what is going on? I don't, I don't understand this. What's going on? And then the Atlanta shooting uh, shootings took place. And uh, if I recall, it's a guy named Robert Aaron Long. He was in his 20s, went into two or three uh, massage parlors in Atlanta and shot him up and killed a number of people. Uh, not all Asians, by the way. But uh, apparently this guy was grappling with sex addiction. And for those of you who don't know, uh, massage parlors in the United States, you know, especially in the seedier parts of town, are well known as, as places... Uh, where you can uh, solicit uh, prostitutes. Um, I'm trying to figure out a nice way to say it, but <laughs> uh, you know, you get your little your little happy ending in those places, and uh, the, the media tub. jump. Yeah, that's that's the right way to say it. But the media was trying to was trying to spin that into well, this guy, you know, they they immediately want to jump on it like they do every single time. With well, this guy hated Asians, and he he went in there and he shot up the place, you know, because you know he's targeting Asians. Uh, I think the, the the narrative quickly uh, fell apart on that one because the guy was just he he was a mess, and I you know who knows what the real story is on that, but he wasn't targeting specifically Asians. And you know, I am convinced though I I'm becoming more and more convinced as I look at this stuff and I look at emerging narratives in the media especially when it comes to social justice like this group's being targeted that group's being targeted uh, I am almost convinced that it's some sort of Chinese information operation where you know if you look at where this anti-Asian hate you know narrative that that came up it also came up just shortly before the US and China met in Anchorage Alaska uh, for a summit where the Chinese just went off on a State Department and made them look like like fools. Went off on them for like 15 minutes. Um, it wasn't good. So, yeah, I, I I don't know where the anti-Asian thing comes from. Josh looks like he's really diligently busy writing some stuff down. I'm about to 
I'm about to call him call him out. But Josh, do you remember those numbers you looked up the FBI numbers? Because generally those are are fairly uh, fairly accurate. So I don't remember the, the the specific numbers, but I do know that at the height, so it peaked the the number of hate crimes against Asians, uh, and 2014 is where I kind of started back from because it's not if you just look at the last year or two that doesn't give you a good baseline. Uh, I don't know if they're, you know, rising or falling or anything. So I at least went back to 2014. In 2014, there was 201 hate crimes directed against Asians, right? So that's 2014. It dipped um, down, I think, the low right around, like, 2017. 2018 was back down into the right around the 100 mark, maybe a little less, and then for 20, 2019, it, it came back up to whatever the, the number for that, that Roger put out. 2020's numbers aren't out yet. They won't be, the FBI won't publish those numbers until November, which is when all their, their crime statistics for the previous year come out. So it's, it, it's still incredibly low. Like, you know, like Roger points out, they're like, oh, it's up, you know, 100%. It's like, it's like 50 people. And Roger's absolutely correct. You know, 50 people, I mean, 50 people get murdered in Chicago on, on a three-day weekend. Um, at least five have been murdered since we started this podcast, you know, 10 minutes ago. <laughs> so I, the numbers are minuscule. I, I, Luke, I don't, and I, you know, I hadn't thought of that, uh, you know, that it's a Chinese disinformation campaign, but I would not put it past them, you know, when you look at what, well, yeah, Chinese I mean, what, doing. wouldn't that be convenient is, you know, there's this big time, you know, anti-Asian, you know, uh, you know, anti-Asian bias, you know, uh, Asian Lives Matter, ALM or something, you know, and anytime you criticize anything coming out of China, uh, you're labeled as a Sinophobe. You know, that's going to be the new thing, Sinophobia, fear of everything Chinese. And wouldn't that be convenient for the Chinese? It's like, well, you, you can't, well... You can't get, say that this this virus came out of a Wuhan lab. That's that's xenophobic. I mean, it just seems very convenient. I have no idea where it came from, and it's just it's it's a it's a real mystery to me. And Roger, it was hilarious because I think Roger started posting hashtag protect me, uh, <laughs> that's right, and everything in Facebook. That was hilarious, man. <laughs> it's you know what though it goes along with what they're doing. You look at what China has done in Hollywood. Right. As far as I mean, that if you want strategic messaging, that is strategic messaging. You buy Hollywood and guess what? There's no more, you know, and just when they did that, that super shitty Red Dawn remake, you know, they were, it was going to be against China. And China was like, oh, no, absolutely not. But you look um, at some of the, you know, some of the Disney movies that are starting to come out. You look at some of the other movies starting to come out. Now, the, you know, the, the hero or the heroine of the movie is Chinese. And again, man, you want to talk strategic messaging by Hollywood and start, you know, start putting that out there, you know, TV shows, films and everything. And that's what that's what you're going to see. But I, I, I think that's that's a that's a pretty good perspective on it. And I think that's something that uh, what was, you know, I, I haven't thought about. But yeah. what, what was really funny in New York, I saw some footage where they were holding a a rally against uh, anti-Asian bias or whatever and there are a bunch of you know, of course white people out there and uh 
they confronted a crowd that was protesting Chinese, the Chinese treatment of the Uyghurs in the Xinjiang province. And these two groups started going at it. The, the anti-Asian bias was like, you hate Chinese people. And they're like, we don't, you know, and they just started going at it. And I'm like, the Uyghurs are Asians too, you freaking morons. I mean, and that, that was a question I typed in. I mean, the middle, the, the violence targeting uh, Middle Easterners, does that include Iranians? Does that include Afghans, Pakistanis, Indians, uh, Mongolians? Or is that just, you know, China, uh, Japan, Korea, and then, you know, going down into Southeast Asia? I don't know. Isn't, you know well, now you've, now you've screwed everybody up because all the white liberals out there, are, they don't understand that. They're going to go, well, Middle, East, Middle Easterners aren't Asians. Even yeah, they're, they're Muslim. Like, right? Yeah. No, dude, that's, that's going to be it, man. Everybody's you, – you confused all of the leftists out there right now. They're just like, what? Huh? I, I don't understand. I don't understand continents. Uh, so. and, and maybe it's a combination of – you know, maybe it's a combination of the whole Chinese information campaign uh, along with Trump's not in office and there's not a whole lot to report on because everybody wants to be hands off uh, the Biden administration on top of and in your specific example, dude, that's just like lazy reporting. I mean, that's just it's lazy reporting and it's lazy analysis. And I would tell you, it is it is a perfect example of the media today because, yeah, I got it. You know, there are some Asians that, that died in this thing and it was bad. And this and that. Can you say that he was targeting Asians? Actually, you can say that he wasn't targeting Asians because he came out and said that he wasn't targeting Asians. Oh, by the way, uh, I'm going to just you know, take a shot here off the cuff and say that the majority of owners of, you know, massage parlors are probably Asians. So, you know, again, they didn't even bother to uh, they didn't even bother to scratch the surface and say, OK, let, let's let's go down two or three layers here. So, you know. Can we determine why he really did? And then they didn't even wait like the four hours when the guy's like, no, you know, I, you know, uh, rubbing tugs, uh, you know, it's sinful. And, and, you know, I didn't want that in me. And I, you know, I hate that feeling. So that's why I went in and do it. He wasn't targeting Asians. He was just, like you said, he was off his rocker. He was nuts. Right. Uh, just like when you go with the Boulder thing, I mean, how quickly did they have to go? What was it? Uh, Mina Harris, you know, you white extremists and this and that. And it's like, um, yeah, so maybe you should just wait a few minutes. Right. Wait a few minutes for the story to kind of come out a little bit, and maybe you find out that the guy is not white. And and, and it's it, it's the hypocrisy that kills you is because the that's like the definition of like racism. I mean they 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 exhibit it every day, and you know it's not just one individual; it's like an entire swath. And it goes back to that and the due diligence we talk about, saying, "Hey, won't you let the stuff just shake out?" Let it shake out a little bit. But, you know, journalists today, they're, they're just lazy. You know, it's the, the whole thing with, with the, and we'll get into this in a minute, with the, the whole Biden press conference. I mean, that's just, that is the state of journalism today. It was just, it was straight lazy. Straight lazy, nothing uh, thought-provoking, no hard questions, all softballs. Uh, when you listen to the, the pundits on the left, they thought it was the greatest pre, you know, press conference in, in the history of our nation. You know, no, I get it. They're pundits, you know, so they can they can say what they want. They can have their opinions, what they want, you know, whatever they want. But it's just straight laziness. And it kind of, you know, it pisses me off. And then the fact that nobody, especially like when you look at the Boulder shooting and, you know, Mina Harris, her tweet, and, and she wasn't the only one. There's several folks, right? Nobody holds them accountable for anything at all. You know, now, had you done something like that? Had you printed something like that? Because she literally came out and was like, well, the fact that he was taken alive uh, just shows you that he was a white person and he wasn't black. Had that been reversed and one of the two of you said that, 
I mean, you'd be out of a job, right? You'd be out of a job and they'd be suing you for slander and everything else. And you'd be the biggest racist, you know, it's just like they keep throwing out, you know, the Jim Crow laws and this and that, because remember what's happening on the Southern border, you know, it's, uh, or, or no, I'm sorry, not the Southern border, but the, uh, the filibuster, right? The filibuster, you know, that Jim Crow era, it's racism. It's like, you ever notice that, uh, they talk about the Jim Crow laws, but you never hear the term Southern Democrats with that. You know, they, they've managed to just separate those two, right? They just kind of cut that. They just carved that piece right out there. But anyway, I know uh, I know Luke had something to go on uh, with the mass shootings. What's your what's your thoughts? Well, I, I, I just thought we might kick kick this one around real quick because a lot of people do see a problem with with mass shootings now in the United States and. Mm-hmm. Every single time a mass shooting happens, we know what the uh, immediate snapback is going to be. There's going to be, you know, oh, you know, we got to get rid of assault rifles. We got to get do this. We got to do that, and it's it's going to be a big uh, starting point for another narrative. Now, I, I was really interested. You know, somebody came in and uh, to the office and was saying something about oh, another mass shooting. The U.S. has so many, uh, and and we do. But if you look at per capita numbers of mass shootings. Uh, I don't even want to get into this stat because I don't have it right in front of me, but the U.S. is actually not the, not the top. Now, we have more than anyone else, but that's because we're a bigger nation, right? And we actually keep track. Good luck keeping track of mass shootings in China. That's, that's never going to happen. But, uh, and I doubt it happens anyway with such an authoritarian uh, regime. But, uh, like, Norway is way higher than we are as far as frequency and uh, amounts of deaths and things like that. But it's, it's a, it, it all boils down to per capita. But anyway, that's, that's not my point. I started looking into, like, the mass shootings uh, in the United States historically. And uh, the numbers I was looking at went back to 1949 was the first recorded mass shooting in the United States. Now, I'm sure there were plenty, plenty before that, but I guess they started keeping track of them, I don't know, in 1949 and, and looking at the numbers. So uh, 1949 through 2021, and I'm looking at these and I'm sorting them by, uh, you know, how many, how, many were, how many deaths there were, how many injuries and all that. Now, the, the most deadly one was the Las Vegas one uh, a few years ago. But I'm looking at these and I'm like, well, from 1949 to like 1985 encompassed, 49 to 85 encompassed about, I don't know, maybe less than half of all of them. And the 80s were kind of calm. And then in the 90s, it just skyrocketed. And from 90s until 2020, that's when the majority of the mass shootings had taken place. And I'm like, well, what's going on here? And so I start looking into my little pet theory on why these mass shootings are you know, happening more and more often. And sure enough, I mean, there's a correlation. Correlation does not mean causation. But there is a correlation in the rise of antidepressant prescriptions in the United States and mass shootings. There is absolutely a correlation there. And you look at the frequency is when these, uh, I think they're called MM, M, MRSA, whatever, it's antidepressants. When those started getting really popular and started being advertised and marketed to the U.S. public, Man, the, the shootings really took off. And we're talking like 2000 till recently, till now, till the present day. I'm like, you know, I can't, 
And I started, so I start digging a little deeper into that. It's like 16% of whites, white people in the United States, 16% are on antidepressants. And you turn on the news, man, or not the news, you turn on any channel, you watch it during prime time, and there are going to be commercials about antidepressants. And if you take an antidepressant, if you are, I mean, I'm sure there's people in our audience who take them. And most times when you take antidepressants, you have to be prescribed an antipsychotic which basically will keep you from killing yourself because antidepressants are uh, whatever. But I, I do think that there's some correlation there. And if you look at all of these uh, people, mainly men, who uh, have, have uh, perpetrated these, these mass shootings, almost all of them were on some sort of medication, almost all of them. And I'm always looking at the toxicology reports and all that stuff, when, especially if they're dead, a lot of times they don't come out, or a lot of times they come out months after and it's buried, but invariably they're on some sort of prescription medication. Josh, do you have any theories on why this happens so often in the United States? So I, I read up on it a little bit too, and you know, one of the things that, I, you know, that kind of was across all of them was just like you said, it's antidepressants. Because, uh, yeah, if you're on an antidepressant, you generally are uh, prescribed an antipsychotic. Uh, I think the other part of it is, though, is we have, as a nation, we have t- we took the rope out of gym class. We, you know, we created safe spaces. We put kids in bubbles, you know, the anti-bullying, you know, the zero tolerance bullying, the zero tolerance fighting, stuff like that. And so you have these kids who, you know, it either happens when they're teenagers or it happens when they go into adulthood. They... I don't want to say they never got it, you know, they didn't get it out of their system, but they had no outlet, right? There was no outlet for them to vent their frustration. There was no outlet for them, you know, to to do that. And so they, you know, they go and they choose, you know, a, a very destructive, uh, you know, outlet in, uh, in shooting people. And so, you know, one of the other things, and again, I'll go back and say, you know, the correlation doesn't equal causation necessarily, but you look at a lot of these folks they were generally socially awkward. They didn't have a lot of friends. They got stuffed into wall lockers in middle school. You know, it was just, they got their ass beat all the time. Uh, you know, they're generally not, you know, they're, they're not the, the, you know, the physical, you know, type individual. You look at a lot of them, you look at that, who was it, the Colorado, the guy in Colorado, not the, not, not Boulder, but when, um, he went into the shotgun and he dressed as the Joker uh, years ago with Batman, you know, when one of the Batmans came out. Uh, you know, you look at him, you look at uh, Adam Lanza was his name. Um, and then you look at the, you know, you look at that kid in South Carolina who went into the church, you know, and shot people. And you look at him, it's like, dude, you look like David Hogg, man. Like your arms are literally like five inches in circumference, you know. And so I just... Man, I think we have, I think we have, you know, removed all of these, all of the stress from these kids' lives. They get into, you know, late teenagers, early adulthood, and now all these stressors that they, you know, they have, they're all new. They don't, they, because they, they've never had to have stress before. They've never had to experience it. They've always been coddled, you know, and they get to that point, man, they get a lot of stress on them. And then it's just, they just snap. Uh, I, I think that's one, uh, but you know, who, who knows when we talk about mass shootings, everybody talks, you know, it's like mass shooting, mass shooting, mass shooting. We have so many mass shootings in 2020. 
Illinois had 69 mass shootings. Out of those 69 mass shootings, 42 people were killed and 301 were injured. Every single one of those shootings was in Chicago. So, you know, people are like, oh, there was a mass shooting. Okay, well, two people got shot. Because there's, there's, there's no finite definition of what a mass shooting is. It's simply, you know, it's not widely agreed upon. It's just when more than one person is shot, it's a mass shooting. Well, there's mass shootings in Chicago every weekend. But you don't hear about that. And the reason you don't hear about that is because Al and Jesse aren't up there, you know, drawing attention. You know, Black Lives Matter is not up there saying, hey, we have to stop black-on-black violence. It's only when, you know, a white dude or people who think it's a white guy, uh, like the guy out in Colorado who turned out to be Syrian, who was where I read the FBI was already looking at him. He was a person of interest by the, under, you know, by the FBI because he was – in contact with somebody else who was a significant person of interest by the FBI. And he had already been convicted of assault in high school uh, for beating somebody's ass. And so you got a guy who's already been convicted of assault. He's a person of interest to the FBI, and he passes the FBI back. The, you know, he passes the Nick um, for, you know, to purchase a firearm. And it's like, okay, well, we don't need more laws. Maybe you fix the ones on the books that aren't working, that don't, that, you know, go, go fix the next system. Because there was somebody else, I forget what, you know, shooting it was, that the guy was like, he sh- never should have been able to purchase that gun, but due to the Knicks, he passed the Knicks, and they were like, all right, here you go, man. Next thing you know, like, you know, people people are dead. So, I I don't know. I'd have to really, really dig into it, but I, I, I think... I think the the fact that we have coddled kids, you know, from day one now, and the fact that we have more people on antidepressants than probably I, I would say we ever have, is absolutely, absolutely two solid reasons on why we're seeing what we're seeing. So going back to uh, Luke's statement, I, I found a couple of these. Now it's a little dated because it only covers through 2015, and we obviously had some uptick in, in mass shootings. Um, Norway, uh, so we're talking about death rate per million people from mass public shootings, 20, uh, 2009 to 2015. So Norway leads it 1.88, followed by Serbia, France, Macedonia, Albania, Slovakia, Switzerland, Finland, Belgium, Czech Republic, and then the U.S. is number 11. Uh, And when you look at the overall numbers of of public mass shootings uh, outside of, of what they're doing in Chicago, Going back to the early 2000s, I mean, 2020, you had two. 2019, you had an uptick, 10. 2018, you had 12. 2017, you had 11. But then 2016, you had six, seven, four, five, seven, three, one, four. Uh, and the numbers kind of stay in that range. So it's uh, – and, and we're, by no means, we're not trying to downplay any of this because obviously one is too many. But it's like Josh just said, he, he hit it on the head. You already have laws in place. I mean, what happened in Colorado is a failure. Okay, that is a failure on the system. Uh, the guy should have never been able to purchase a handgun from what I've, what I've been reading. And I haven't gone to fact check, uh, go to fact check a lot of this stuff, but they say that Boulder or that area has some of the strictest gun. They, they basically have every gun law that the left wants in place and it still didn't work out. You know, you are, and you've got a guy who is a person of interest. Uh, I mean, it's like, Hey man, the, the dude kind of hit like every single indicator she could possibly hit and nobody, you know, still nobody caught it. So the reality is at the end of the day, it's always something's always going to happen. I, I don't care what you do, right? There, there are going to be people that die. 
uh, from gunshots. There are people that, that, that die from COVID. People are going to die from, you know, knives. I mean, it, it just happens. I don't care. You're not going to have this perfect society where nobody dies, which, by the way, when you look up violence across the world, like killings, not even typing gun in there, it's the only thing that comes up. Because you look at, uh, I forget the stat offhand, but when, look at the amount of people that are killed uh, from knives versus guns. I think it's pretty staggering. I mean, I think it's, it's actually overwhelmingly like in favor of knives, right? The majority of it. I, I think Luke might be Googling it right now. But when you try to pull up those stats uh, across the, uh, the world, uh, the only thing that ever comes up is, is the guns, right? It's all about the guns. And they, they continue, and this is what scares me the most is they continue to, especially the left, they continue to overlook why the Second Amendment exists. And so they say, eh, you know what? You don't need it for hunting. And this that's not why the Second Amendment exists. And I think I saw in Georgia, Georgia or Florida, they want to make it mandatory that every, I think it's male, 18 and over. Uh, and this is actually pretty interesting. This is a pretty interesting loophole. They want to make it mandatory that every male, 18 and over, joins the state militia. Because they join the state militia, then they can kind of circumvent some of those, you know, laws that they see coming out, right? And, and and you know what? I mean, here's the thing. Let's say you take a state like Georgia or Arizona where they say, okay, we have a, we are officially standing up the Arizona militia, right? And we're going to make every 18, just like the Selective Service, every 18-year-old male, you have to be, you, you have to sign up for it if you live in the state. That's how you get your driver's license and, and keep it at, at 18 or whatever. Um, I, at that point, I think you circumvent a lot of those restrictions, a lot of those gun restrictions, because you're legally, uh, by the state's definition, a part of, of that militia. So pretty interesting take on it. And, and I'm surprised I actually hadn't heard about it earlier. Um, and I'm surprised it hasn't been used earlier. And, and I don't know, I don't know if it's like a nuclear option or whatever, but maybe it's just one of those kind of things that they're keeping in their back pocket until the left finally goes crazy enough. Because uh, like in California, you can't even buy ammo in California right now. Like, if you're not a resident of the state of California, you can't buy ammo there. I mean, it's, it's just dumb. It's just, it's just dumb. So anyway, moving on from that, let's get, to the, uh, let's get to the big story. Joe Biden. So what's your take, Luke? What's your take on the, uh, the Joe Biden press conference? It was, uh, I think it was in total like one hour and two minutes because that's all his handlers gave him. Um, he fielded questions from 10 reporters, I believe, and none of them from Fox News. And the reporters that he called on, one, he had a list. So I think it's pretty clear because Saki's already been accused of this before anyway. So I think, it, would, in my opinion, it was pretty clear that the reporters were already canvassed, right? Uh, they had already gone through. They already knew, you know, knew who they were going to call on. Uh, they already knew what questions were going to come up. And then now all of a sudden you're seeing all these cheat sheets and this and that uh, that, that Biden had to carry with him. And, uh, you know, two big two things that came up. One, specifically, like with the North Korea foreign policy, that's Joe Biden's foreign policy. Why are you having to read, you know, something from whoever wrote it? Why are you having to read that off a script? That, that's your foreign policy. Uh, but then, over, you know, I want to get your overall take. And then the other question, Luke, is what do you think other world leaders, what do you think their take was uh, watching that and watching Joe Biden up there? Okay, my overall take is going to be, uh, pretty much what the foreign leaders overall take is, which it, he can't, you know, and I, I read a lot of articles, a lot of op-eds and they're all over the place. The op-eds are all over the place. You can hear my dogs bark in the background, maybe, uh, cause they're, they're worked up about it too. Uh, they were all over the place, but how anyone <laughs> could watch that and 
see not see Biden come across as a as simply an old weak man is is beyond me. I I don't I don't understand how somebody could watch that. I mean, of course our audience knows we don't like Biden. That's no that's no uh, that's no secret. But I was trying to I was like, well, let's see what he has to say. Let's see how many drugs they pumped him full of this time. Let's see if he can get through this. And that guy is on the way down. He's not doing well. There are so many things in that press conference that, I mean, Roger and I were texting back and forth. Josh was ignoring us, but Roger and I were uh, texting back and forth during the uh, debate. And we're like, did he just say that? He did not just say that. I mean, <laughs> he, he was so off. You know, the, the Biden of, you know, 20 years ago was not the Biden on stage, uh, or at the at the dais the other day, it, he's just off, man. Uh, he said at one point, you know, he said a lot of stuff, and we're going to cover it. But at one point, he said, you know, when I came into the Senate 120 years ago, and he just kept talking, and I, I I froze, and I was like, surely he was joking. But when you frame something as a joke like that, you kind of look up at the audience, you kind of, ha, yeah, you know, you maybe you point at one of the reporters. He didn't do that. He just kept talking. So. I that w- that was a slip of the tongue. That that was not a joke. Anyone who says, "Oh, he was just joking," you know how long he was in the Senate. That was not a joke. That was a slip of the tongue. And there are foreign adversaries and foreign, not even adversaries. There are foreign leaders who you know, foreign countries who have people sitting there taking notes during this press conference, not of the substance of what he says, but what he looks like. How does he come off? Does he look confused? Does he look weak? What does he not know what he's talking about on? And there was a lot of stuff. You know, you, you, you mentioned the North Korea thing. I came away from that briefing and a, a couple other things that have happened over, over the past uh, week or two, uh, uh, statements from the White House, that Anthony Blinken, the uh, Secretary of State, is actually completely running foreign policy. So I'm starting to get, I'm starting to get my answers on who's actually running the show. Now, it's not odd for a secretary of state to, you know, have a big hand in foreign policy. But I, I think that Anthony Blinken has the reins on foreign policy, all sorts of foreign policy, even trickling over into Department of Defense. That guy is running the show because on foreign policy issues and questions, Joe Biden, his answer basically almost every time was we're going to consult with our allies. <laughs> That's not an answer. That is not an answer. That's what some people like to hear. Oh, we're going to start consulting with our allies because Orange Man was bad when it came to that. You know, so that's an improvement, right? <laughs> it, it was just, you know, one one big time boner he had. And I don't know if anybody even caught this, but I caught it and I was like, I cannot believe he just said that. And I have it, I had it pulled up. I don't think I have it any, um, anymore. Yeah, he he's talking about Afghanistan. Uh, and he said, uh, and General Austin just met with Kayani and this Afghanistan. This, he's talking about Afghanistan. And General Austin just met with Kayani, and I'm uh, waiting for the briefing on that. He is the leader, quote, in Afghanistan and Kabul. Man, that's a really, really bad thing to say. You can't—he's the leader, I'm doing air quotes, quote, of Afghanistan. That was a major, major screw-up. And if you think that 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 wasn't front-page headlines in Kabul for the, you know, 6% of the people who can read in Afghanistan— you got another thing coming, man. That was a huge, huge boner. And and that's going to actually have repercussions 
within the Afghan political system and definitely the Pakistan uh, political system. There are so many things to cover on this. I, c- I could keep talking, but I'm going to... Josh, did you get a chance to watch the whole thing or read a transcript or anything? Yeah, I went back and watched it. You get around, you know, I thought about just reading the transcript, but it was like, it, it, that doesn't give you, you know, everything that you, know, that you, that you need out of it. It was, a, it was a complete disaster. I'm telling you, we've said it before. Uh, it's... Joe Biden is not mentally... 100%. Like he is in mental, he is in mental decline. I'm sorry. There's just no way. I, I feel bad for him as a person, you know? Um, and I, I think his, I think his family is, I think they're absolutely terrible people for, you know, pushing him into running, uh, you know, and, and, and everything. And that's neither here nor there now. But when he said that North Korea is his top foreign policy priority, Okay, so North Korea is your top foreign policy priority, not not Iran, not a nuclear Iran, not China, not China who is expanding their Belt Road Initiative right now. They're in over seventy countries, and they are they are signing sofas with countries right now by the by the bushel. I mean, they just signed they you know they just signed a sofa with Equatorial New Guinea. Uh, to put a port in, you know, on the coast of West, you know, West Africa, it's to say North Korea is our top policy, you know, policy priority is absolutely one hundred percent bananas in, in my book. I don't view, I don't think North Korea should be our top policy priority. I think China should be our top policy priority, you know, foreign policy priority. Uh, North Korea is North Korean, you know, you can argue, I guess, you know, whether North Korea is an existential, existential threat to the United States. Do they have ballistic missiles that could reach the United States? Yes. Do we really think that North Korea is going to go that route? Do we think North Korea is dumb enough to push that button? I don't think they are. I, you know, I, North, I, I look at North Korea a lot like, you know, Saddam. Uh, they're going to rattle their saber every six months or so. They're going to launch a missile into the Sea of Japan just to let everybody know, hey, we're still here. You need to, you know, you need to give us some due. Don't disrespect us, you know, because we have to save face and, and all that, which is, you know, very, very important in the culture. But to say North Korea is our top foreign policy priority, that's ridiculous. That's that, that's that's 100 percent ridiculous. Uh, the rest of it, you know, he, he had his little, you know, his, he had his little Facebook, um, you know, it, it, like I did when, uh, you know, you go to like Iraq, Afghanistan, you're showing your dude, but like, Hey man, who, who are all these people? <laughs> you know, Joe Biden's got all the reporters lined up on his little card numbered, uh, you know, in the order he's going to call them on and, uh, and everything. And, but yeah, to, to have your own policy, having to write that down so you can read it verbatim. No, nah, man, you should not have to do that because that's yours. Right. I don't have to I don't that's like going and giving a brief. I don't have to look at my slides to brief because I know it because they're mine. That's it, it, it. The guy's in cognitive decline and he's rapidly declining and people are continuing to ignore it. There's a lot of folks that came out and they're like, oh, that was the best press briefing I've ever heard. I'm sure Chris Wallace was touching himself the, the entire time. Uh, it's just it, it. they are going to drag Joe Biden to the 24 month mark. Come hell or high water, they're going to weekend to Bernie's him as much as they can to that 24 month mark. 
and then they are going to leave his ass on the side of the road with the twenty fifth amendment, or they're going to make it. They're they're going to force. They're going to talk him into resigning. That's at. There's no way they can they can continue this. It's it's it it's a fucking disaster. Maybe you know I used to think that I, I, we've all said it like hey he's going to go to the twenty four month mark and then they're going to jettison his ass, but especially with what Luke was saying and then watching that pe- that press conference and you try not to read too much into it because it just was one press conference, but I did get the feeling that he is not running that administration. And that is that is a difference, okay? Because when you look at, and I don't care if it's Democrat, Republican, when Trump got there to speak, first of all, there was no sign of weakness. You know, there was no way anybody else was going to look at that, look at President Trump out there and say, okay, this is a weak leader. And there was no doubt who was in charge. When Barry was up there speaking, okay, there was no doubt who was in charge, right? When Bill Clinton was speaking, when Bush was speaking, with all those, and, and weakness is not something that comes to mind Republican or Democrat president when they get, now I may not agree with their policies, you know, they may be full of shit, whatever, but weakness never came to mind. And there was never any doubt in my mind, Hey, who's running this show with Biden? Number one, I got weakness. And number two, he's not running that show. And what makes me change my mind a little bit is maybe they want him to, you know, weekend at Bernie's it for four years. Because essentially every department is able to do whatever they want to do and just run their own shit. Because I completely agree with you that Blinken is running the show over there, that aspect of it, foreign policy. And again, like you said, you know, starting to touch into to the DOD, there's no doubt in my mind that's happening. And that's why he had to read it, because it wasn't Biden's policy. It was Blinken's policy. And so if each department head, if you're able to run the show the way you see fit, which is very dangerous, okay, and, and, and that's, that kind of dovetails into what happened with the CDC, Fauci, and um, the coronavirus, you know, the president is there as kind of like the fusion cell, right? So you've got all these cabinet members out there and this and that, and he's the one who takes in everything and makes the right decision. And when you have all these individual departments making all of these decisions, well, they don't necessarily have the perspective, uh, insight, or maybe even the care uh, of other organizations, other departments, and, and how it's going to impact the greater, you know, the greater government, the country, what have you. Here's what's interesting with Blinken, and it's a uh, I would tell you this, I encourage the folks out there to go back and read the transcripts of um, the meeting that we had with China up in, I think it was up in Alaska, right? It was like a week ago, two weeks ago or something like that. And, and I, I, got, I caught bits and pieces of it on the news and then I went back to go actually read the transcripts because they didn't cover it all. And it was pretty interesting. And it goes back to what Josh was talking about with the Belt Road Initiative. So it starts off and they do their introductions, yada, yada, yada. And then, of course, uh, right up front, um, Blinken and the other guy he was with, they were sitting there and trying to be, you know, all, you know, all Billy Badass and this and that and try to throw out the whole cyber, you know, cyber threats. And you guys are hacking and we won't take any of this and yada, yada, yada. So then, of course, China fires back and they're basically like, hey, look, you know, your whole spread of American democracy needs to stop. Oh, by the way, you know, the cyber attacks, uh, you guys do it just as much as we do. And they kind of went down their whole, you know, list of how America's bad or, or, or whatever. But what was pretty interesting was after all that was said, so the U.S. basically said, hey, you know, gave China the middle finger. And then China came back and, you know, gave us the middle finger. Blinken makes a statement and he says, I have to tell you, what I'm hearing 
is very different from what you described. I'm hearing deep satisfaction that the United States is back, that we're re-engaged with our allies and partners. Where is he hearing that from? First of all, I mean, it's like he just like totally made stuff up. Like he's making it up. He's totally making this shit up. And then going back to uh, two things I want to touch on real quick, going back to the Belt Road Initiative, you're spot on, Josh, because when you go back and you read the transcripts, it is very clear China wants to have a war without having a war. Asymmetric warfare is what they want. And I'm not talking about asymmetric warfare back in the IED days. They want to have a war, right? They want to dominate the globe uh, without troops. And how do they do that? You do it through infrastructure. You do it through technology, all your, your Huawei's and your companies and this, and, you, and you, you integrate your stuff throughout the world and that's how you control and that's how you dominate it. And I tell you, it's very, very interesting when you go back and read the transcripts of that thing, it is very clear for like the first, uh, I don't know, five minutes, dude, they're laying it out. They are laying out their plan that, hey, we are gonna, we are gonna go fight this war and we're gonna fight it without troops. And that's pretty, that, that's pretty dangerous because we're not seeing that, that, that foresight. The, the other thing with the, back to the Biden press conference, I mean, here's the other thing, man. They just, he just lied. And this is, goes back to the, to the reporters holding them accountable. He flat out lied. I mean, there were some things like when he was talking about, we're sending back the majority uh, of folks at the border. No, actually, you're only sending back 13%. That's how many are getting turned away uh, to be sent back. So why wasn't like one reporter like, hey, um, actually, that's, that's not correct. Like, statistically, that is not accurate. Nobody calls him out on anything. I mean, he gets up there and, and everything was just these broad swaths, nothing specific. And I think he had one reporter, you know, that they tried to go down that road. And, and she is probably the best question asked is like, hey, you, you promised all this transparency. When, when can we, you know, send the media down there? And well, you can send the media down once my plan's in place. Okay, so when, when is that? So, so once you think you fixed everything, that's, that's when we can send the media down. And, you know, you could see her kind of trying to press the issue. And then it's like, but you got to be careful, right? Because if you press the issue and you try to hold them accountable, then they just Peter Ducey you and they just don't call on you. You know, and Jen Psaki, I want to punch her in the face. I don't know if you guys saw the interaction she had with Peter Ducey when, when he asked her, you know, hey, how come Fox is not on this list? That you got you to gotta YouTube that thing, man. She fired back. Have I not talked to you before? Have I not? Are we not talking right now? Yes or no? I, I'm like, chick, I will choke the fucking shit out of you. I mean, good on him, man. He's got, uh, he's got a lot more, uh, you know, patience than I have. But it just, it, at the end of the day, it, it and I hate to say it because obviously he's the American president, but it was just very weak. And I think it was very clear to me that, uh, you know, he's obviously not running, running the government. There are other folks running the government for him. And, you know, maybe they keep him in place for the next four years, Luke. I mean, what do you think? You think they just leave him in place and let the cabinets do what they, what they want to do? I think that's a good point, Roger. I, I really do. Uh, Titus, take a shot. I agreed with Roger. Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay. Have we forgotten <laughs> the, the thumbs up? <laughs> So, yeah, that's a good point, man. Uh, you know, th those folks, uh, the great and all-powerful Oz, you know, behind the curtains, why would they want to give that up? Why would they want somebody to come in with a little bit of chutzpah uh, who's actually being an executive and, you know, uh, having a unifying vision for the entire cabinet and, and domestic and foreign policy? Why would they want that if they already have free reign to do everything? But you're right. That is a very dangerous way to do things. Uh, it, it's, it's doomed to failure. Uh, we've all heard about the five popes, you know, 
there's a reason there's five popes. There's a reason countries have five kings, you know? It doesn't work that way. There's one pope, there's one king, there's one president. That's the way it works. So, yeah, if you've got all these uh, different, uh, you know, secretaries going in, in different directions, all that's going to cause this problem. So, but that's a good point, Roger. But at some point, now, the majority of the Americans are peas. We've, we've all agreed on that, right, Josh? <laughs> but at some point, the American public's going to be like, wait a minute. I don't, I don't know. Talking about the press conference, though, the fourth estate, which is the media in Washington, that was a massive embarrassment. How, you know, I, I've heard from a lot of independent journalists, and I just blanked on one of their names, but like Glenn Greenwald, Tim Poole, and uh, the other guy, uh, Chang or something like that. I can't remember his name. They were extremely critical of the media asking questions and going along with the charade because that absolutely was not journalism what they were doing there was one reporter who kind of who kind of asked a couple follow-ups and got a little chippy with him but it wasn't anything like what we saw with trump or even obama definitely not bush it's just like they were completely cowed and it's like how a journalist could look at that someone who calls himself a professional journalist look at that and think yeah that's okay is beyond me in particular, you know, one thing that journalists, I can't believe they're just, they don't have, you know, torches and pitchforks and raiding the Capitol again, is when uh, the one journalist said something like, you know, hey, uh, President Biden, when are you going to uh, give us access uh, to the facilities along the border? And Biden's like, well, uh, you're not going to get access until my plan is in place, until we've executed our plan point by point. You're not, you know, we'll let you have access then. And she comes back. She goes, when's that going to be? And he's like, I can't tell you. And it's like, what? If you're a journalist (laughs) and and the American people are like, what? You just didn't, you just said we can't have access until your plan is implemented that you don't have a timeline for. So it's like, what, what's going on? This is the death of journalism. It's the death of journalism. You know, his whole tirade, you know, shifting gears a little bit, his whole tirade on Xi Jinping about how he's had more interaction with Xi Jinping than anybody, you know, than any politician, than any U.S. leader. And he just kept going off. And I was like, Roger, are you listening? What is he talking about? It, it didn't make any sense. And he started saying, yeah, and she told me this and I told him that. And it's like patently obvious that all those things he was saying were lies because the things he were say he was saying that they said to each other that's not normal conversation especially between two world leaders it just he, it was a lie and it was all just talking points and rhetoric roger must have said like six times in our conversation which you know, he was right this is all just rhetoric now yeah another thumbs up good job roger you're a smart guy so <laughs> another thing i i really I, this is this is when you know, I'm going to circle back on how when you have, <laughs> when you have, you know, Secretary Blinken running the entire foreign policy thing, then you have immigration, which kind of is a domestic and foreign uh, policy issue. When Joe Biden started, they started saying, you know, are are they coming over because they think you're a nice guy? Uh, and then Joe Biden it boiled down to this: he's like, well, yes, they are coming over because I'm a nice guy, but I'm not responsible for it. They're coming over because of earthquakes and hurricanes 
and crime and all this stuff. And what we have to do is we have to make life better for them down there so they don't have the need to come up. Now, I actually agree with this. I actually agree. It's like if you're going to try to stop the flow of immigration, you could build a wall and that's great. Okay. But you got to look at the root cause of what's, you know, of, you know, the roots of what's causing the whole thing. And that's horrible situations, you know, down in the South. So yeah, if you want to, you know, use the State Department, USAID, and stuff like that to make the infrastructure down there better, go ahead and do that. The problem with that is that other countries in the world who have even shittier, you know, situations start asking, well, wait, the U.S. only cares about Guatemala because of their immigration issue. Now, I don't have a problem with that, but your liberal or those on the left, it, it, it doesn't make sense. So the only reason we care about Guatemala is because we don't want their people coming to the U.S. You see what I'm saying? It's just it, there, there's a lot of incontinuity, discontinuity behind Biden's message and behind his policy. And it's it's just not good. Now, Josh, another rule we should have is every time I say or one of us says chomping at the bit, you have to take a shot. So we're going to get everyone drunk. And I Josh is chomping <laughs> at the bit. He said he had a few things to say. I think some stuff about China. And I'm telling you, we could probably go on for two hours about this press conference. I have way more to say. But Josh, what do you got to say? I, so it's interesting, you know, when Biden was like, you know, it's like I've talked to, you know, Xi Jinping more than any other president, you know, any other politician. It's like, well, yeah, I mean, you and Hunter had a lot of meetings <laughs> with him uh, for starters. So I'm sure big you guy. have. I'm, you know, big guy. I'm, I'm, I'm sure you have, Joe. No. Um, but what's interesting is like, you know, so you've talked to, you've, okay, but let's take it, you know, let's take it at face value. Let's, you know, let's pretend he's correct. Okay, so you've talked to Xi Jinping more than any other politician. Is is that why Xi Jinping uh, sent his uh, foreign minister uh, to meet with uh, Russians for minute, Sergei Lavrov, last week? And your foreign minister and Russia's foreign minister came out and said... Yeah, we're pretty much done with the United States. Uh, we're going to start working closer together. So we really don't give a shit about them. We don't care about your sanctions. Uh, we're going to work together so we don't have to deal with the United States. And we can continue on. China can continue on with their with their 50-year plan, which will be complete in 2040. And, you know, Roger, uh, take, a, take a shot, Titus. Roger is correct. And, you know, China does not want... A, uh, they, you know, they, China does not want to go to guns with us in a war. They don't. It's not, you know, it's not, it's just, it's, it's not good for them economically. It's not good for them militarily. But what they are doing, you know, and the Belt Road Initiative is a small part of it, is they are destroying us in the gray zone in a competition, right? So you have the continuum of conflict and, you know, you have competition, conflict, and then, you know, on and on. And uh, right now, you know, people say, you know, well, we're not at war with China. Well, yes and no. We're, you know, technically we're in the competition continuum right now along that conflict continuum. But China is destroying us. And what's going to happen with the BRI, what's going to happen 
with what they're doing in the in, in that gray zone is they're going to get it to a point to where we will be in a position to where they will dictate the terms of what we are going to do. They will dictate to the United States, no, you're not going to do that, or yes, you are. You know, yes, we'll allow you to do that because they have us in such a poor economic situation that there's no we're going to have to pick the you know the less shitty of the options. Right? There's not going to be any good options for us. There's not going to be options for us militarily uh, either. You know, with China because we're just going to look at it. It's, just, it's not going to be advantageous to us. And you know that what they've done. Uh, it, it's, you, when you go back and you look at it, it's like wow, man, that's truly amazing. You look at how many allies that they brought on simply by buying them, right? They go, you know, we talked about it, you know, a couple of episodes ago. It's like, hey, I'm going to build a port in your country, and I'm going to, you know, pour money in here, and this is what you're going to do for me. You know, and we, that, that has continued, that has continued, and we continue to admire the problem as a nation. We continue to, you know, go, well, China, you know, China's our ally. They're not our enemy, you know, and it's just, it's, it's, it's absolutely truly insane but you know joe biden can talk about xi jinping all he wants and about his you know what he's going to do with china but china and russia last week had a summit and said yeah we're pretty much done with the united states we don't we don't have to worry about your sanctions anymore because we're going to more closely cooperate now you know russia that's advantageous to russia because russia's economy is not that strong russia's economy you know economy cannot withstand a whole heck of a lot uh, you know, so that's, you know, that's advantageous for them. Uh, it's just, the whole China thing is going to know, it's going nowhere good. People aren't paying attention. And, you know, but apparently North Korea is our number one foreign policy priority, uh, which, again, absolutely, absolutely ridiculous. Just give that guy some attention every 180 days. You know, it's like, oh, please don't shoot another missile. You know, we're so scared. Like, you know, just... <laughs> Yeah, well, what do you need? All right, you need some more, you know, you need another bag of rice, another bag of flour. All right, man, we'll give you another bag of rice and bag of flour so your people don't have to eat the bark off the trees. No, but yeah, we're going to focus on that. We're going to focus on, you know, extremism in the ranks, which doesn't exist. Uh, we're going to focus on everything but, you know, the two countries we should be focused on, which is China and Russia. So... That's and you're sad. already seeing it, right? You're already seeing it in other countries' foreign policies. I mean, when you, like Germany, I mean, we pretty much have to beg them to come out and, and do anything uh, because their relationship with China uh, is, is getting extremely strong and extremely close. Um, so we're having to beg them, uh, Merkel, to come out and say anything that, that you know, paints any type of negative light on China, and they're just not willing to do it, Right. Uh, because they're going to look at other countries, they're going to look at, at other providers of, you know, money, their infrastructure, what have you. So it's, uh, you know, I, I think it's the the long game they're just not looking at. And it's to sit there and, you know, as, as Saki would say, you know, we can chew gum and walk at the same time. Yeah, well, you really haven't shown that you can. Because uh, right now, the going back to the media, right now, the media is doing everything to make excuses for and cover up the failures of the Biden administration's first 70 some odd days. I mean, it's like, just look at the, uh, you know, look, look at the price of gas. Right. And there's this thing that's going around social media. It's so crazy now. Cause they're like, well, and, and I think even some reputable institutions have come out 
and said, well, you know, the president has no impact on the price of gas. Okay, that that's made its way it's, uh, around, and a lot of like famous economists, you know, have come out and backed that theory. You're full of shit. Okay, the president absolutely has a lot to do with the price of gas. Okay, what Trump did with the Saudis absolutely affected the price of gas. Now, is it the only impact? No, there, there are a lot of other you know aspects that that affect the price of gas. But just like when you look at the price of gas, uh, they're still blaming on the fucking Texas winter. It's like, hey, guys, gals, gas was going up before then, before the winter even, you know, ever started. So the media, it's like when you look at that, when you, I heard Chris Wallace, when they talked about the, or no, it wasn't Chris Wallace. It was, uh, it was Juan Williams. So we've all seen the pictures of, of the border, right? They, they've, I think I posted on my Facebook page and they had all the, uh, the kids down there in the little, you know, thermal, you know, blankets or whatever. And they were sitting there saying, Hey, look, you know, they were talking about kids in cages. Hey, look at this. There's kids in cages. And, you know, uh, and Juan Williams actually had the nerve on television to get up there and say, well, I wouldn't say that's, you know, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't call that like, uh, what do you say? Inhumane. He goes, it just looks crowded. <laughs> that's literally what the guy said. He's like, you know, there's like 400 people, right? And remember, Jen Psaki said, oh, yeah, they're not breaking COVID, uh, you know, protocols down there. Remember that two weeks ago? Are you suggesting that my, that this administration is breaking COVID protocol? No, that's not happening. Dude, that's just out the window. I mean, there's just so much going on that these people, and I'm talking about the left and the media, that they're just, it's got to the point they just write out lie. You know, it goes back to the whole turning people away at the border. Like he literally got up there at a press conference and just flat out lied and nobody called him out on it. That's just the way it is. You know, and, and now the media, you know, can, well, I, I say they're, they're, they begin to get involved. They've been involved. They've been involved since the, the entire election and, and during the Trump thing. You know, they just they go along with it, man. There's a guy. Yeah, we're not going to circle back on that one. Right, we're not going to go back and recover that. How about all those things that Saki was supposed to circle back on? Why don't we re-ask those things? Hey, so this picture right here from Project Veritas shows like 400 kids in a cage. We don't have to call it a cage. You can call it what I don't even know what another term you would call that, but fucking cage. But uh, we'll use Juan Williams, uh, you know, term. I, I get it. There, it's crowded. Okay, it's crowded. So is that in conjunction with the federal government's COVID protocols? Oh, yeah, I, I don't think so. But nobody holds them accountable for it. And it's not just with that. It's with everything. Brings me to the next topic. Filibuster, right? So they pressed him on the filibuster. And my interpretation of that, of his response on the filibuster, is that he's ready to nuke it. And here is uh, here's an interesting tidbit. And just for the record, I am actually, I'm in favor of keeping the filibuster, but I do think it should go back to the old ways of how they did the filibuster. It should be painful to use. Okay. Nowadays, from why, the way I understand it, you can literally just say, I'm filibustering. And it's like, okay, you basically have to have, you know, 60 votes or whatever to, to force cloture. Um, whereas back in the day, you actually had to get up there and, and remember, you know, they would, they'd get up there and talk about Domino's pizza and Carol Burnett and, you know, Vanna White and, and because you had to be on the floor. And the whole point of the filibuster and I know there's some, probably some historians out there that know a lot more about it to me, but it, it goes back to the whole premise that the Senate is there for the spirit of debate, an unlimited debate. So the whole point with the filibuster is that, hey, either party, anybody in either party uh, can continue to debate, to, to debate the issues until they're done. 
right? And then obviously you can't vote on anything until the debate's complete. So I do think it should go back to the old days of, uh, hey, you actually have to be on the floor, like actively debating or, you know, whatever the hell they were doing, as opposed to just raising your hand and, and, and filibustering. But here's the crazy thing, and, and it, it comes to point because out here, uh, who I've said it a couple of times now, Kirsten Cinema. I mean, she's playing her cards more and more moderate, uh, more than I would have ever thought that she was going to, and she's catching a lot of flack. And no matter what she posts out here uh, on her fo- on her social media page, regardless of what the topic is, you always hear you know people bring up the filibuster. You need to end the filibuster. So I always come on and say, hey, when the GOP was in control. Uh, was everybody here against the filibuster? You know, when when uh, at at that time, and of course it's all crickets, right? But it, it goes back to a stat that last year, out of the 328 times the filibuster was used, 327 of them were by Democrats. So it, it's like, hey, are you? And I think when you look at, when you look at, uh, yeah, I guess the food challenge hasn't started yet, right? <laughs> it, or the weight loss challenge. <laughs> But when you when you look at Manchin and Cinema, and especially Manchin, I think he really is looking at the long game. Uh, I think he really is like, hey, um, power kind of shifts every, you know, four or six years, give or take. And he's like, do we want to be the minority without the filibuster? And I think you saw, you know, when you look at Mitch McConnell and Harry Reid, remember when Harry Reid had the first nuclear option, right? And, and Mitch McConnell said it. Hey, man. You're going to pay for this. Uh, you know, you may not pay for it tomorrow. You not pay for you may you may not pay for it uh, next year or the year after. But hey, four, five, six years when that cycle reverses, you will pay for it. And, and they did, and they've been paying for it, right? Uh, and and, it, and that obviously continues to shift. So I don't know, Luke. What do you think about the filibuster? Do we keep it? Do we nuke it? Do we? Uh, do you think the president nukes it? What happens with it? I do not agree with Roger on this one. I think he's an idiot. He's he's all on his ass. Hundred percent. Hashtag one protect he, me, Asian hate. <laughs> one thing he did say that made sense to me was that, yeah, I think it should go back to the old ways. Um, I think Biden actually mentioned that in in the press conference. It should go back mm-hmm. to the Mister Smith goes to Washington type, where you got to stand up there. Poor Mister Smith is getting weak in the knees. He's been up for like twenty four hours straight. You know, reading the encyclopedia, whatever. I do think it you're, it it needs to be painful. Uh, because it is, it's a stopgap measure for, you know, bad ideas when one party or the other has control. And it, 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 it does need to be a serious thing and it does need to be covered, uh, while it's happening. So the, the American people are like, why is this happening? Maybe they'll do some research on exactly why, but I do believe also that, and I, I'm more and more convinced of this after I heard, uh, oh, the Reverend L. Shopton saying that it's Jim Crow. It's Jim Crow. It's racist. The filibuster is racist. That's when I knew, oh, shit, they're serious about this. Let's start calling it racist so that we can defeat it and we can get everybody on board because no one wants to be called a racist. So, yeah, you know, I I, I think back to McConnell saying you're going to regret this uh, sooner rather than later. But I think that what we're going to see if the filibuster does go away, and that's going to be a big fight, and it's going to be interesting to watch. Um, but if it does go away, 
God, I just Josh is stuffing his face. You guys need to watch the YouTube. The guy is shoveling food in his face. It's disgusting. He looks like Homer Simpson eating donuts, man, just over and over. It's great. Anyway, if the filibuster is defeated, uh, you're going to see a lot of stuff ramped through real quick. And I think the stuff you're going to see ramped through is going to have to do with voting. And I think it's going to have a lot to do with mail-in voting. Uh, Not absentee voting. It's going to be universal mail-in voting. Because I think the Democrats saw how successful they were with that in this last election. And uh, I think this is their, you know, Thanos, you know, Avengers endgame type play. I, I think that some people, I think that Manchin, you're right, is looking at the long game. He's, you know, He's probably he's most likely a true believer, you know, fairly moderate for a Democrat. He's like, you know, we need to play this right. But I think that your, you know, uh, Schumer's Pelosi's are thinking this is the end game. This is how we get control and keep control, because if we can change, you know, how how uh, elections are done in this country so that it looks a lot more like a covid election every single time, we can win everything every time and. That's the end game. We've got it. They're done. So I do think that this is an important fight uh, for the Democrats uh, because if they win, they're going to try to change the game with voting. Uh, it's an important game. If they lose, you know, then they can't change those rules. But uh, yeah, I think they're kind of doing an end run around. Uh, well, it's not. You know, Manchin is thinking this could come back to bite us. They're thinking if we get our way, it will never come around to bite us. Now, if Josh has done uh, stuff in his face, his gullet, uh, <laughs> go, to, go to Josh and see if he agrees. Uh, 100% concur. I think it's to, to get the voting changes in there. Um, and, you know, once the filibuster goes, that's it. You know, I mean, that, that, that truly is it. You don't have any more moderate Democrats in there outside of Joe Manchin, really. Uh, well, maybe Mitt Romney, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, but you don't. And, and you know, you see, you know, you're seeing more and more far left Democrats running for office. You're seeing them get elected. You know, you look at Warnock and uh, and what's his nuts in Georgia. Right. And once the voting changes, once it's universal mail-in voting, that's a wrap, boys and girls, you know, until until there's a significant emotional event in this country. That's a wrap. There will never be another moderate anybody. Right. People are, you know, and, and people on the far right, they suck. It's just as much as people on the far left. Right. But there's not going to be a moderate anybody anymore once mail-in voting is universal. And that's that's just it's going to be done. It's going to be over. And uh, but, you know, you're talking about, you know, Al saying how the filibuster is racist. Um, and then I'm gonna, I, I'll push it over to Roger. So what was it? It was 328 times it's been used and 327 of those times were used by Democrats. Yep. All right. Well, the Vox, Vox dot com. You know, put out an article two days ago, you know, talking about the, the racist history of the filibuster. So my question would be, 
if the Democrats have used it 327 times and it's racist, would that not make the Democrats racist? I'm just curious. I don't know. I don't know if correlation equals causation there. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, hey, man, if it's racist and you've used it 327 of the 328 times that it's been used, guess what? You're racist, but you're also a Democrat, so I repeat myself. But, uh, yeah, that's all i got to say on the filibuster. Democrats hate America. That's that's just what it is. And uh, not one have come on this show to prove us wrong. So, <laughs> there you go. Well, I'm actually pretty interested to see how the filibuster plays out because if they – if they get rid of the filibuster, <laughs> watching Josh dump the whole bag of chips in his face. So I, we're going to get to it here in a minute, but I guess we're going through a, uh, I say we, they are going through another weight loss challenge here. So uh, Josh is trying to tip the scale again to where he puts on a large amount of weight. So that way, uh, you know, it's easier for him to drop it off later. But, you know, when you go back to the filibuster, they end up nuking it, in my opinion, uh, you're going to cease to see the government operate anymore. Uh, it'll, it'll cease to work because what's going to happen. And, and if you've heard what Mitch McConnell said and you read between the lines, so you have to have a quorum to vote on, on things, right? You have to have a, a majority present, whatever. And w- the way the rules are, and they've kind of been a little lenient on it. They just, yeah, you can say, yeah, you're here. Nobody has a really count, you know, you just kind of, okay, you vote or, or whatever, but you're supposed to be physically present. And I think what you're going to start to, it, it, this could be some pretty good TV. We might have to send, uh, I guess we'll have to send Josh out there with like his iPhone camera or whatever, because they're talking about actually just sitting out the vote, like to end the filibuster to like, just literally not show up to vote. So you would have 50 Republican senators, uh, not go to DC and now they can force them to vote. They can actually, and this has happened once they can actually arrest them and escort them to the floor and make them vote. But if uh, if you have 50 senators that uh, don't come to D.C. and they're back in their home states, I don't know that ever gets passed. You know, I don't think that ever happens. Now, let's say for the uh, sake, you know, argument's sake that they are able to do that and then everybody stays in D.C. and they force folks to come there and they, they force the vote and they get rid of the filibuster. What ends up happening at that point is they will go through that on every single bill that goes through the Senate. They're just going to keep folks back in your home states. And it's like, okay, that's fine. You want to play that game? You're going to have to, every time a bill comes to the Senate, you're going to have to go out and send law enforcement, uh, federal law enforcement, to arrest these folks and escort them back to D.C. and and vote. Uh, I think it's actually happened once where, uh, and, and it escapes me, I was reading about it the other day, where, uh, and this was years ago, where a senator was was like, screw that, I'm staying in my office. So they literally had to send like the Capitol Police, like, hey, we're going to arrest you and we're going to you know, take you uh, or detain you, I guess is the, is the right term, and drag your ass to the floor to vote. And when they he caught word they were coming to his office, he finally went to the floor and voted. But I think that's what happens with the filibuster is if they end up, they try to nuke it. I don't think anybody, none of the GOP shows up. Um, if they force them on the floor to, to meet the quorum requirements, it's just every, the government will cease to, to operate at that point because you're just going to get uh, this constant fight on every single thing that comes that comes through the House. Back to the voting thing, uh, what's very dangerous with the voting piece is they're trying to nationalize the voting process. 
Okay. And, and that, that's very dangerous because that goes back to like what Josh is saying at that point, And I don't care what party is. I, I don't care if it's the Republicans or Democrats. When you nationalize that process, uh, anytime that you have one political party in complete control of the government, right, all three branches, they can change those voting laws however they want to meet their needs. And that shouldn't happen either way, Republican or Democrat. You're already starting to see, and this is pretty interesting because a lot of the voting stuff, because of the old voter fraud, I, mean, I don't know what else you call it, but you know, you're starting to see with the news now, they're calling it irregularities and this and that. But you're starting to see a lot more fallout from the elections, uh, where now you've got local, uh, you know, states and cities. Uh, they, I think Georgia was a recent one where they're like, "Hey, man, you're gonna have to request mail-in balloting." Period. They're shortening their early voting time period. They're, they're trying to roll things back, and they're actually making it state law, which is why you're seeing this push at the national level to nationalize uh, the voting. But you've also had several courts come back and say, hey, um, yeah, the way you did your absentee balloting was against your state constitution, right, which was the whole point like up in, up in Philadelphia. And you're not hearing anything about any of this stuff. And I don't know, I mean, I guess you can't say voter fraud because uh, if you do, you get banned on Facebook or YouTube or whatever else, but I don't know what else you call that. I mean, you're starting to see more and more of this uh, go on. Even more importantly, and, and I'll throw this to our, our, our Section 230 guy here. So I don't know, our favorite, right? Jack Dorsey was on TV again. He was on, he was on the hill again, right? Looking, you know, looking awfully damper up there, but uh, with his scraggly homeless fucking beard, but... They asked him if it was a mistake. One, like Zuckerberg is actually a pretty smart dude. And it's the, uh, you know, you, you kind of see Zuckerberg there. And, and Dorsey just, I don't know anything about them personally, but it's like Dorsey just doesn't catch me as the, as the smartest guy in the room. And uh, I'm sure Josh will have a great analogy or comparison for this, but it's like Zuckerberg cringes anytime that, that Dorsey talks. It's like, dude, you just, just shut up. Just please just shut up. Stop talking, right? Because every time he gets up there, I mean, the guy just, he can't see through the thought process of these senators and congresspersons that are asking these questions. He doesn't see the, the goal. But anyway, he's gone back and already said that, yeah, I think it was a bit of a mistake to block the Hunter stories. Right. He's like, Twitter shouldn't have blocked any of those stories. And now they're starting to beat him up on several of these things. Like, so, okay, so now you go down that path. So you do see that, uh, you know, you block these stories. You admit that you shouldn't have blocked those stories. Um, those stories would have impact voted or voters. It would have impacted votes. Uh, it may have even swayed it in some states, depending on where you're at or some counties. So did Twitter interfere with the election process? Right. That's where that road goes. And, and Dorsey's just too dumb to see it. And you just see Zuckerberg's like, fuck, just like, just shut up, dude, just shut up. It's, it's, I almost feel like, yeah, you know, Zuckerberg is like Biden's handlers. Every time he talks, you're just like, you cringe. You're like, just please don't say anything stupid. Don't say anything stupid. So I don't know, Luke, did you catch any of the, uh, did you catch any of, of Dorsey's uh, Senate hearing? And, and what do you think about the whole Twitter thing? <sighs> I did not catch that. I wish I would have. I'm going to have to go back and watch that uh, probably tomorrow. Oh, I wish I would have seen that. But yeah, that's that's funny you, you use that, uh, that comparison. Because yeah, as creepy as Zuckerberg is, I mean, you got to give the devil his due. I mean, the guy has has set up something pretty amazing and it's way more amazing than Twitter I can tell you that right now I mean Twitter is uh it, it also is an amazing platform it really is but obviously Dorsey hasn't figured out how to take it to the next level and, and truly monetize it like Zuckerberg did uh 
And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I've listened to a number of interviews uh, Dorsey's done, particularly with Joe Rogan. I've, I've listened to the one with uh, Zuckerberg, not Zuckerberg, I'm sorry, with, uh, uh, it was, uh, uh, of course, Joe Rogan, Tim Poole, uh, his lead counsel, and uh, him, and Dorsey. And his lead counsel did the majority of the talking in that interview. And every time that Dorsey spoke, he's definitely a big picture kind of guy. Uh, but big picture as far as managing things on scale, uh, managing Twitter at scale and, and censoring it at scale. That's what the whole uh, conversation was about. And it was an interesting conversation. But yeah, I got the feeling, yeah, dude, you're a big ideas guy. You are not you don't have the ability to get in the weeds like, like maybe Zuckerberg does. So I do, I'm glad he's saying that, um, the decision to, uh, you know, limit or or censor, uh, the stories on Hunter Biden. I'm glad to see that he's seeing that's a mistake because it absolutely was a mistake. It was a huge mistake. And, um, I don't even want to get into Section 230. I think that everybody is is just forgotten about that. I think that Facebook is going to slowly fade into irrelevance. The only thing I use it for now, honestly, is messaging my wife. That's it. And you guys. Because Josh can't manage to just have one platform. So we have to have two. Otherwise, I... <laughs> God. So... But yeah, Facebook is just... Uh, it's not what it was. It, it's... I, I don't... I don't know. I, I really don't use it much. Uh, for a while there, I used it for news. It was actually, you know, I, I had some good news uh, news articles in the feed. That that doesn't happen anymore. I think it's going to fade into irrelevance. Um, I think it'll take time, but something else will come around, which I'm anxious to see which uh, social media platform that Trump is supposed to come out with. Uh, there was some news last week saying, uh, you know, He's gonna he's gonna make his move on social media. That'll be interesting to see how that pans out. But you know what? What we, I think we're all missing out on. I think any self respecting self respecting quote unquote journalist uh, is really missing Trump right now. Even Biden said that. Biden said that yeah. in the press conference. <laughs> I sure do miss my predecessor, and they're all missing him because man, wouldn't it have been great? to read like Trump's Twitter feed or Facebook or whatever during that press conference. Man, that would have been fodder for the 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 Washington Post or wait, is the Washington Post? Yeah, it would have been fodder for the Washington Post for at least a week. Oh, look at look at Trump. He just can't shut up. Uh, dude, it would have been great. <laughs> and now I don't know if this is Trump's design or if if they've actually put the muzzle on him, but uh, there, there's nowhere you can really go to see what Trump's thinking right now, and a lot of people want to see that. So I think that Trump is handling this really well right now. Maybe he's just taking some time off. I know he's still active. I know that for a fact. I know he's still active. Um, and I think we're going to see a little bit more of Trump, a little bit more, little bit more, lot more, lot more, lot more. And uh, the Trump uh, quietness is, I think, is going to go away within the next couple of months. I don't think I did a good job of really addressing what Roger said. His, his points sound a lot more salient than mine. But uh, Josh is, yeah, he's done chewing, so let's go to Josh. <laughs> he's, got some, like, he's got some crumbs in his beard and all that shit. It's all good. 
I have to uh, <clears throat> I have to get my comb and comb them out. Yeah, uh, I'm hungry, man. Come on, I haven't had dinner yet. I'm hungry. So, uh, yeah, it, when it comes to here's the the overall problem. One, we don't have journalists anymore. We have activists. They're not they're, they're not journalists. And I, 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 we should stop calling them that here 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 on the cup. They're activists. That's what they are. They're activists. Um, Done. It's another rule. Yeah. There you go. Done. Activists but for the. Uh, when it comes to you know the Schumers, and you know they're you know get rid of the filibuster and this that and the other. Once it happens, it happens, and it's going to be done. And people don't realize you know the the precipice that that, that the country's on right now. But American people, they just I don't, I don't want to make Titus take another shot. But nobody holds them accountable. <laughs> it's like you know it's like we said earlier. Nobody holds them accountable. They keep voting for these idiots. They keep voting for these same people, and then they complain about them for the next however many years until it's time to vote again, and then they vote them back in the office, you know, because that's the name they know. It's you know, it's like the distinguished gentleman who we vote for, Jeff Johnson. That's who we voted for last. All right, let's just vote for Jeff Johnson, you know, and that was his campaign. <laughs> the name you know, and uh, but they, they keep voting these idiots back into office. Stop voting these people into office, and this stuff, this garbage. Will will end, um, you know. And I know we don't have enough time to get into term limits, but this is just another. This is a, another example of why term limits absolutely have to be a thing for for Congress. Uh, for for Congress, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's a that's a great point. You know, you go back and you look at the things that had influenced elections, right? So we had Georgia come out and say, yeah, that's not Trump didn't say go find me X number of votes. That's not what he said. Now we have. You know, this piece that could have influenced, you know, it absolutely could have influenced an election. And then you have the Secret Service stepping in when Hunter lied on his Form 41 or whatever it is, you know, you fill out when you buy a gun. The Secret Service stepped in when Hunter bought that gun in, what was it, 2018? And, come, you know, and one of those questions on there is like, are you an addict? You know, are you, you know, are you free basing coke off a hooker's <laughs> ass every other, you know, Friday night? Like, Hunter's like, no, no, good. And he lied. He lied on a federal form. That's a felony. Any of the three of us, man, they would be, dude, the ATF would be inside our house right now, locking it down, taking all our shit. Well, they wouldn't get mine because I lost mine in a tragic canoeing accident. But they... <laughs> These are the things, and these are the things, hopefully, hopefully, I'm not super hopeful, but, you know, there's a sliver that eventually the American people are going to get pissed off about, and they're going to get tired of, and then they're going to start holding people accountable. I don't think that's going to happen, but, you know, maybe, maybe there's one, you know, sliver of hope that it, that it will, but it's just, it's absolutely insane, you know, and everything surrounding Hunter, it's like, he's going to get away with it. What's the what's the deal with Hunter's laptop right now? Anybody know? No, ain't nobody. Nobody in the media is talking about Hunter's laptop and everything that was on it. Nobody. The Hunter, you know, the Hunter gun story. That's dude. He threw the gun in a trash can. Yeah, you know? and then beyond it's that, thing. beyond that, when they go back, because the, the Secret Service went to the gun store that he bought it from, and they tried to pull all his paperwork, and they're like, "Oh, give that to me." And they, thank God, the gun guy, the gun store was like. Uh, you can actually go fuck yourself. I'm mailing this stuff to the to the ATF, and so now they go back, 
and look, you know, through the records, uh, because obviously, you know, federal employees, you can find out where they were, who, what they did, mm-hmm. this and that, you know, their logs. Yeah, there's, there's no log of that. So basically what happened was, you know, the big guy made a phone call to a buddy over at the Secret Service and said, hey, man, you need to go square this shit away. And his buddies went over there, you know, uh, on official duty, right, uh, official, unofficial duty, and uh, went to the gun store owner and then went and retrieved the gun because his wife went out. Right, I don't know if they were married. The the brother's wife after he mm. was died, and then he started nailing her. However, that works out. But oh, I didn't know she if that went was back the stripper. Out. Okay, yeah. yeah, yeah, not the stripper, but the uh, yeah, his, the his actual dead, um, his dead brother's wife. Yeah, Bo's yeah. uh, Bo's wife, whatever. So she goes back out to go get the gun. Well, the gun's gone, right? Because the Secret Service went there and they took the gun. Then they went to the gun. You can't even make this stuff up, man. And nobody like. The media doesn't, they don't cover it, and nobody holds any of them accountable. Nope. It's just, it's incredible. And you know Donald Trump Jr. is just like, God, it's oh. just life is not fair. Life's no. not fair. I mean, you look at like the, you know, we talk about the Washington Post thing with the Georgia election thing, and, and you know, that, that uh, correction they had to make. It's like, where was the follow-up on that? Because I would want to know, okay, hey, look, I get it, anonymous sources, this and that. I'm like, dude, you reported a lie. Uh, that that was covered for for yeah. that, that could have led to legal action, right? Like prosecution. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's dude, it's incredible. Nobody cares. Nope. Unbelievable. Nobody. So real quick, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go sorry. ahead. You're good. Okay. Go ahead. <laughs> so uh, our our loyal listener Titus, maybe you guys will get a kick out of this. I think I thought it was funny. Uh, I, I said, to, I, I messaged him just now. I said, we mentioned your name maybe four times in this episode. Unbelievable. And he goes, he messaged me back and he says, sweet Jesus, people all across the globe will be saying the Doc Holiday quote, Titus, I've heard that name before. Can't recall where, but it wasn't good. <laughs> he clearly doesn't know how many listeners that we have if he thinks that people are going to be saying that all over the hey, globe. We're worldwide, man. 8% in it. India, baby. I about to say, they'll be saying it in India. Shout out to our Indian listeners. <laughs> hey. <laughs> hey. Hey, hey. So on to more important news. So Josh has got a trip coming up. He's going to, uh, you know, a Caribbean island out there. Um both of you are starting to take up a little bit more of the screen here, the uh, as far as the camera goes. Uh, so they they brought it upon themselves to enter into another weight loss challenge. So give us some of the uh, give us some of the details. I mean, when's this thing starting? Okay. How long is it going? What are we doing here? I I actually haven't weighed today, and I, I I had that on the list. I was like, I need to weigh before we get. I, I doubt Josh has either. But uh, it was funny last night. I went to a gathering, a little event. Uh, within COVID protocols, everything was good. It was in someone's house, and it was less than 10 people. It was all good. Right? Okay, that's on the record. But anyway, I hadn't seen some of these people since my trip back to the States, and one of the guys walks up to me, and he goes, hey, man, looks like you put on a little weight. And I was like, <laughs> damn. <laughs> you know, the pants are fitting a little tighter. You know, I, I wouldn't say I'm in uh, as, as bad a shape as I was before we started our little uh, challenge uh, months and months ago. But uh, I have started kind of working out. I haven't weighed myself yet, uh, and I'm not stuffing my face. I've, I've kind of gone back on the uh, eating plan I was on uh, when I lost the weight back then. I've started, so I haven't weighed myself yet. Uh, maybe we can start like unofficially this week, Josh, if you can find a scale and uh, you know 
we can mark it and then cover it in the next episode, whatever you want to do. Um, what do you think? Um, I, I, I could probably go to the, go find a gym with a scale, uh, or something in it. So, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm down here in Florida for the next five weeks, uh, other than my, you know, my spring break trip. Uh, so I don't have a scale in my hotel room. Should you start you know? it after your spring break trip? That's what I, I mean, was is thinking. Is that fair? I mean, we can start it after the spring break trip. We can start it this week. Yeah, let's that, start it after it. that. Okay. So we'll start it on the uh, on the. I 11th. mean, just judging by what I've watched you eat uh, in this hour and a half recording here, <laughs> uh, you don't stand a chance, dude. <laughs> oh, you're funny. Um, yeah, we'll start it on the 11th. How about that? 11 April, going hot. Uh, 11 April. So that's that's okay. a Sunday. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to keep working out and stuff. I'm not going to do like I did last time and eat like you know macaroni and cheese casseroles every night at 11 o'clock at night, an hour before I go to bed. But um, it's a, yeah, like like we said uh, earlier, I just, and Josh was the same way, I think, is that, you know, I dropped, I don't know, I can't remember. I think when all was said and done, even after the contest, I continued to drop weight, and I, I really felt better, you know. And Roger's over there, he's, you know, 51 years old, and he's telling us, who's the best Whatever. shape I've ever been in in my life? <laughs> I'm in really the best shape of my life. And I'm like, yeah, I'm a long way from that. So I try to get there, you know. Hey, what, real quick before uh, before Roger closes this out, did they ever, did they get that damn ship unstuck in the Suez Canal? Or is it still is it still jammed in there? It's still stuck. <laughs> yeah, I got yeah, a bunch of seen? Amazon packages. I got no. a bunch of Amazon packages <laughs> yeah. I'm tracking. And it's no. like it's stuck in the Suez Canal. I, uh, no, because I asked. Because uh, I, I saw I saw somebody uh, in my in my Facebook feed posted that the gas prices because you said earlier right they're still blaming on the Texas winter storm now people are like well the Suez Canal you know thing is really what's driving the cost of gas up and I was like that thing's still stuck I would, oh wow have you seen the meme of that thing where they got you know because it, it, it's like a big freaking ship right. And yeah, it looks like huge. it looks like some kids out there with like a you know sand beach shovel, you know, trying to dig this thing <laughs> yeah. out. And it's like, dude, you're gonna be out here for a long they fucking time. They have the time. smallest smallest backhoe in the world out there. Yeah, trying to <laughs> dig that thing out. The Suez Canal is not that deep either. I mean, it's only like, <sighs> dude, it's only like 35 feet deep, 35 40 feet deep. Um, it's not that. It's dude, it's not that deep. Wow. No, which is, I mean, it's bananas when you think about it, but. Yeah, I, I didn't know if they got that damn thing unstuck yet or not. No, and and, and just for the uh, audience sake, there, I'm not 51, but I will tell you this. So I have my oh here, here in the next couple of weeks. Uh, here in the next couple of weeks, I have my health and wellness uh, uh, appointment coming up, and it's the first one that I have had since I started eating right. You know, over a year ago or whatever. Here's what I'm going to tell you: if my numbers aren't like significantly better than what they were ahead of time, like a year and a half ago, two years ago, whatever. Dude, I'm going back to like bacon and pork and pizzas and fucking steaks every single day. Because at that point, there's no reason to do it, right? I mean, if I do it because I wanted to lower my blood pressure, my cholesterol, my blood pressure has come down quite a bit. But if like the rest of those numbers don't come down, and I'm talking about, you know, more than two or three points, dude, it ain't worth it. It ain't freaking worth it. The weight gain challenge. Uh, (laughs) 
So anyway, that's going to do it for another episode of Coper's Canteen Cup. Uh, definitely want to thank all of our listeners out there. And again, a big shout out to Carlton Zeus. Uh, check him out, www.carltonzeus.com, or check him out on Apple Music. And for our YouTube viewers out there, which I hopefully uh, hopefully everybody's seen us on YouTube because you got to watch Josh uh, stuff his face, your uh, freemium content starts now.